biting off more than we can chew. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a good phrase when you think about it. Yeah, because it's... It's just simple and to the point. And you can really... You your chubby bunny. <laughs> you know what I mean? Is it, you remember that game or that? No, I've never heard of it. I've heard of Hungry Hungry Hippos. You never heard of Chubby Bunny? It's not really a game. It's more like see how many marshmallows you can fit in your mouth and oh yeah, say Chubby Bunny. Oh, okay, that's what you have to do. It's not really a game. I don't know why I called it a game. It's yeah, like, but have you ever done that? Stuffed a million marshmallows in your mouth? No, I've probably done something like it, but not. I've never done that. I'm not interested. Um, well, biting off more than you can chew is pretty much the theme of our life right now, huh? Is it? I don't know. I feel like the it last was. Few days. I feel like it was the theme of our life, and um, I didn't really know that we had bitten off more than we can chew. And now that we've chewed it and digested it and shit it out, I feel like uh, we're we're in a per- in a particular place right now where we don't we haven't bitten off more than we can chew. So when we do, like we kind of did this weekend. It's very apparent. It's like, oh, that old feeling again. I don't like this feeling. Mm-hmm. It makes me very sensitive, yeah. I think that, why is it though that when you bite off more than you can chew, the next time you go to, you ha- you can uh, bite something bigger next time? Well, that's the thing. So it's always like kind of worth doing that's, it. That's why it's worth doing because it definitely increases your, your patience and your endurance and, uh, uh, it, it's just like I, I've talked about a million times on here. Anything you could do to slay that little inner bitch that's telling you not to do things or to fall back or whatever, you know, and it's a difference between your body crying out for rest and, you know, an amplified little bitch in your head that's hanging around because you haven't exercised or whatever. We saw a great thing uh, yesterday. We were pulling up to one of our shoots and the truck next to us said most of uh behavioral issues most behavioral issues are caused by lack of exercise <laughs> it's just simple i don't know why it just said that on the side of a truck why did it say that it was very strange i mean people I hate it. hearing that people hate hearing it i i hate hearing it but like literally it's so true if i skip a day if i'm not if i'm not disciplined and i skip a day i uh it starts to get me really off track yeah, it's interesting finding the balance of, like, relating to each other in the morning, but also, like, taking care of what we need to take care of so we don't get into it about something fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You got to take care of yourself first thing in the morning. Like, for me, if I if I don't get hydrated and, like, lift some weights right away and get some sun in my eyes, like, I'm already off to a wonky start, and I'm, like, start convincing myself I'm tired. Speaking about hydration, I haven't even done that. Yeah. It's the afternoon. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was just having this thought, uh, you know, the last few days... Um, we, on a spur of the moment, signed up to film, uh, a, like, one of our favorite comedians, Jordan Jensen. Really fun. She's really funny. She's oh, awesome. my God. Yeah, she's such a talent. It's crazy. So I hope people really pick up on her. I think it's starting to happen. Oh, my God. she's Yeah, she's huge. Yeah, <laughs> she's huge. She's huge. Well, the fact that she can go play a comedy club at fucking Palisades Mall and that there's anyone there. Five shows. Fi- she played five shows, and it, it was... It was it was pretty impressive how many tickets she sold. Definitely. I was impressed and I was surprised. And uh, but we we know how she, how talented she is, and we're just like, let's do this thing. Like, let's go down and film this. And uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a learning experience in a lot of ways. Well, we're going from like a team of, I think we started off. What was our first thing we ever shot together? Like nine people or something. Yeah. What was the first thing we? Ever well, it would have been Stray Dog. Yeah, like that that was like six or seven people. Mm -hmm. And then Oxiana was like 11 11 or 12 people Mm -hmm. everywhere we went, Mm -hmm. like a crew of 11 or 12 people to try to initiate like really probably the most intimate things someone could talk to us about on camera. So um, it was always a goal kind of since then to like have a less of a footprint and kind of see how it impacts the films. So. I need camera experience. Yeah, Cass needs camera experience. And it really We're out did there help doing me. our thing. She's shooting our movie Wild Magic. And uh it's it's very commendable. And seeing you step up like this, like it's like we could sit around and feel bad for ourselves and be like, Oh, no one wants to do this or it's too expensive to do this with the people we want to do it with or people's schedules aren't working out or whatever. We could sit there and feel bad for ourselves or we could pick up the camera. And that's what you chose to do. 
I feel like it's about time. I didn't realize how long overdue it was. Um, but I do feel it's the appropriate amount of time. Because it's like yeah. you, we always were like, oh, my God, there's so many people just like going out and doing what we do. Like two people. Like why do we need so many people to do it? Because it's so fun. We like it an audience. Fun. You know, I think we're really good at what we do. And there's like a, a palpable vibe when it's happening. And uh, like I, th- I think all I do on these things sometimes is be the vibe smith of like, you know, these are the six people that should go do this particular project. And here, like here's all the constraints of it. And to me, that's like me sculpting the vibe well, so also, something cool could happen. Yeah, and of course, you want the most cine- talented cinematographers, and we've worked with of course. the most talented cinematographers we've ever. We've lost them all to Marvel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Literally. Literally. Literally, we've lost a couple of our cinematographers, and they're now in the Marvel, Marvel universe. <laughs> Can you imagine? It's crazy. But, yeah, it's we, so crazy. We're very blessed. Yeah, we're very blessed as, as to who's been willing to work with us. Yeah. You know, and it feels like... Um, it feels like every chapter of our life, like, we have to fucking burn out the energy of that chapter, right? So it's like, I, I think we just needed to do the maximalist approach to documentary to see how it felt and keep doing that and then use it as a crutch for a few years and be like, oh, we knew, we're going to need so-and-so. Or like, you know, for like Wooks, I don't even think I'd want to have done that if we didn't have a friend with us, you know? Uh, uh, well when we realized we had to camp and stuff like that it was just like all right this is going to be as low-key as possible in order to pull this off yeah and then with wild magic it's like we need to be able to fall fall down rabbit holes and you can't necessarily schedule when that's going to happen it's so hard to do it's so hard to do with people that you're paying and like joey was cool like we could do it with joey because like he's first and foremost our friend um but since he's not really around to do this we're like let's do it ourselves and it's it's made us uh more available to the magic, I think. I think so too. Yeah. I also really like that what it's bringing out in our relationship. Like, mm. we both are required to like show up and take on so much responsibility that I can't just like be tending to your needs or whatever it is. It's like we both have yeah. to just like show up and mm-hmm. do our part in a way that is like very collaborative and fun. I think. I think now looking back on our past shoots, I'm like I have too much excess creative energy. That's why, like, you'll see me on a big commercial set acting like a PA because, like, I just have energy. And like, once you have your look dialed in and the thing you want to do, and it's like so second nature. I don't know. There's just nowhere for that energy to go. So I'm like, oh no, I'll move the ladder. I'll make sure this is over there. I'll make a run. I'll, I'll make sure everyone's. You know what I mean? I'll start acting like that on set. This approach, literally, we're, we both just have our hands full, and we're like on minute details you know with the sound and with making sure the exposure is right and the focus is right and did we use the right lens and is the sound plugged in did everything fire off at the right time all that stuff and it's weird i think that kind of tricks us into a flow state with it because the shoots are you know that thing that happens when you're like in a flow and it feels like it was like five minutes like four hour shoots are going by and they feel like five minutes to me so it's something about uh that like weird self-hypnosis of like having to be myopically focused on something and so also trying to like carry out a vision it's uh it's cool i don't know i think it's somewhat bringing out the best sides in us it's like it's still too early to tell yeah no i know i mean i just what i do enjoy is that things that we wouldn't necessarily be able to capture we're like oh let's go out and do it and we're proving something to ourselves in a way that's really fun you know, because it always felt like, oh, we're more introverted. We can't approach people. Even though, I mean, I've approached people. My whole career with you has been approaching people. Yeah, but it, yeah, it does yeah. feel like I have the safety blanket of like, oh, there's a bunch of us. Yeah. Or someone else could do it. Or, But now it's like I, I didn't realize how – I guess it's it's almost easier, you know, in a way. Yeah. yeah. Like I always used to approach people without a camera in my hand. And now I'm approaching people with a camera in my hand. And I'm like – It's is, even more apparent what you're doing. I'm like, I'm making a movie. You want to be in it? You know what I mean? Like They always going, say yes. What's going on? They always want to well, do Well, everyone's so beautiful. So I'm like, you look incredible. Can I get a shot of you? What yeah. are you guys talking about? It's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's and it's really cool now because, you know, you used to do that without the camera. You'd be like, you'd, you'd have to come back and get me and then I would have to get the cinematographer and we'd have to explain what's going on and then get it going. It's, it's very immediate what's happening right now. Yeah, the other day we did. God, we really tested our powers in one of the craziest ways when you think about it. We, uh, 
we dialed up our friend Daniel, Daniel Fresco, my man, drummer extraordinaire. And we said, you know, we're going to come scoop you up in the Bronx. We'll go down to uh, Washington Square Park and we'll shoot you playing drums. Mm-hmm. And he's like, let me get my uh, let me get my guitar player friend. What's his name again? Larion. Larion. Oh, my God. Holy shit. These two came that we, we we got there. We got to Washington Square Park. We just set up right in front of the fountain. It was somewhat of like a kind of a quiet day for Washington Square Park, meaning there wasn't like a loud, a lot of loud music somehow. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, we, we might be able to pull this off. The angels have been with us. The angels reserved us a parking spot right on the park. You know, they reserved us a beautiful spot right in front of the fountain. The light was beautiful. The weather was beautiful. There was like a good amount of like our types of freaks around. Like, so the casting pool was large. I don't know how well it came out, but it, it, I don't, I, we'll need to color correct to see how well it came out. But there was a point where the fountain was creating a rainbow behind them and they're like playing this beautiful music. The whole time. There was like a, a sick rainbow just like right behind them. And uh, they're such, I mean, God, the rainbow hearted few. They were there. You know, you could feel that. You could mm-hmm. feel like, like, like Daniel is such my rainbow hearted brother you know and he spreads joy wherever he goes and he's the sickest drummer i've seen play in person like he's so ridiculously good it's it's crazy and they set up and they played for three hours Mm -hmm. and a huge crowd came around and we're starting to like we're filming them but we're also like look at this guy over here oh my god there's there's this 84 year old chinese guy and like we went over and we talked to him and then this crazy woman is over here. Let's talk to her. This guy's dancing. This guy has animals out. And we were talking to this one guy and it was right when Daniel started playing and we're interviewing this guy and Daniel was just like warming up and it sounded like from far away, it sounded like he was laying the backbeat for what this guy was saying. Mm-hmm. And Daniel couldn't even known we were filming that guy or whatever. Yeah. And it just sounded so synchronistic and so perfect. I was like, it's just one of those moments and we have them a few times on every movie where you're like, we're making this movie. Like, wow, this is happening right now. Mm-hmm. Like, we're doing it right now. This is going to be in the movie. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, the guy was it. We were interviewing this guy, and the music comes in perfectly. And he's talking about how he's into cannabis and vegan food and microdosing and all this stuff. And that he, he's a musician, and he was just about to go uptown to sing in a studio. And he was like, but these guys are so good. And I was like, that's our friends. We brought them here. We set this up. And he's like, no way. Came over, started singing with them, and uh, we have a new band. <laughs> we're actually going to a rehearsal space tomorrow night. We're gonna we're gonna film. Yeah, we're gonna film them. What I hope to be the first of many Church of Chill sessions. Yes. Yeah. Our version of the Tiny Desk concert. Yeah, yeah. Or the K E X P. You yeah. know. It's like some some merging those worlds. Well with Church of Chill, like our main thing is music is a sacrament, isn't it? And we're documentarians, like this has been an inevitable yeah direction for us is to film musicians especially for me like what we're gonna go do is putting together people that barely know each other and um maybe taking a little bit of acid and just it's purely improvised like nothing rehearsed i think that really suits what we dig the most yeah it should be really special i mean that guy the guys that daniel and larion and then saint mike who we were like interviewing as Daniel's playing in the background, like he's coming now. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. So yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Daniel put it together. He knows a bunch of really talented people, but it's just it's just a crazy. I mean, it's just one of those things. Like we literally could have just been sitting around looking our wounds, like overthinking it, over preparing, and instead it's just like it's fall. It's beautiful here. Like let's go out. Let's hit the streets. Like let's go to to me the 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 heartbeat of New York City is Washington Square Park. Like, let's go there. If we can't find people there, we're not going to be able to find them anywhere. And we go there and we're just overwhelmed by the rainbow hearted many, you know, <laughs> yeah. like they were, it's a, it's, a, it was like a gathering place. And I remember at one point, like going to the car and coming back and it's just like Daniel's playing and they're doing their thing and all these people are gathered around. And I'm like this, it feels like I'm walking back into a festival. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like a music festival that I was walking into. And that's happening in Washington Square Park probably right now as we speak. I love that place so it's much. It's so awesome. It's so awesome. And it makes me um, love and appreciate New York City more. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Washington Square Park. Yeah, because there's, like, there's freaks out there. Yeah. People who, like, lust for life kind of homies. They're also down to slow down and 
interact and talk with you and like it just seems like no one there is like in a big rush or taking themselves too seriously no they're like we're here it's it's maui of uh it's hawaii of, yeah, yeah of new york city yeah totally it's like this is the space this is the place yeah yeah it was really cool and uh that, you know like that was to me the most like over the top like palpable like damn we just like we didn't just document wild magic we kind of made it yeah, no, it felt like that. That was the best about it. Because for us, we're like, we're not, this isn't necessarily a movie about magic. It, it wanted to be a movie that is magic. And then, yeah. you know, having this woman join them up and like, I don't know what kind of. Oh my God. Her version of what was that? Was she so, Russian or something? It sounded like mystical Celtic chants, fucking some sort of pagan, like, uh, it was crazy. It was crazy. This woman getting up there and like, we captured all this, so. Hopefully it'll make it in the movie. And I thought it was synchronistic that we ran into a comedian we like. We're like, as soon as we got there, we saw Ari Shafir. We're like, yo, man, you're awesome. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. And then I'm like talking to him, and I'm like, I love your special Jew. And then like I, <laughs> I had set up to talk to these Hasidic Jews that were like going around. <laughs> Cass. Cass. <laughs> and so like man. I'm talking to this guy I really respect, and then all of a sudden these guys come over and they're like, hey, you wanted to talk to us, and so I have like. It just was a hilarious moment. I was like, yes, I do want to talk to you guys. And then I think you're not making sense. Basically, what happened is like I saw Ari Shafir and I was just like covered in sound equipment. And I went up to him and I was just like, he's obviously waiting for a drug dealer or something. Like he's like (laughs) looking at his phone and like looking around and like, I don't know, where are you? (laughs) So I just went over and I was like, huge fan. And I just gave him a fist pound. And then I came over to you and I was like, Ari Shafir's right there. And you were in the middle of like trying to convince these Hasidic Jewish kids to be in the movie. And I didn't even know you were doing that. I roll up and I'm like, Ari's here. And, and you're like, where? Where? I was like, go over there. You should say hi. And you go over to say hi. You like left these Hasidic Jewish kids to go over and say hi to Ari. And Ari would have been in the movie. Like he's such a, he's, he's a wild boy like that. Oh, yeah, maybe. If we were like, say a couple things, come on, man, you'll make this movie. It'll be so unexpected. Yeah. Uh, I think he would have done it. Cause like Who you knows? went over and you were like, oh my God, I'm a huge fan. I love your special Jew. And he was like, what are you doing? And you're like, we're making a movie called Wild Magic. And you start explaining. And as you're explaining to him, these Hasidic Jewish kids come in. They're like, you want to film us? And for some reason, I don't know. I wasn't there for this. You were like, yes, by Ari. And he just left. <laughs> he was in the middle of... It, insanity. No, but... it wasn't. It's it's okay. all perfect. It's all Yeah, it's all perfect. But then oof, that interview. Oof. Yeah, that was rough. It's crazy that there's people that were like born and raised in New York and barely know how to speak English. Yeah, no, I know. It's crazy that the bubble is like that tight yeah i know like wow like like he didn't understand anything we were saying well because that's what happened i had gone up to these guys and they're like no you need to talk to my friend and that's why i I felt it's not like i just like ditched them yeah yeah. i was just like okay find your friend who speaks english you know what i that's who they brought yeah (laughs) jesus christ i know he had no idea what we were talking about i know i know you know, we were like, you know, hey, what's Judaism all about? Like, hey, what, what's what's today? Because they were obviously doing some sort of ritual. We're like, what's this ritual all about? And he's like, what? We're like, what's Judaism? You know, we're like, give us like, give us something. And he was just like, what? And then he just went into some like prepared speech, and I couldn't understand a word he was saying. Oh wow! It was so surreal. It was surreal, though. Yeah, yeah, totally a surreal day, and it's just it it feels like those. Uh, it feels like. Um, those days are like crafted to renew our faith mm-hmm. if we allow it to totally you know and, and i'm glad that you and i like when the shoot was over and the madness was calming down like we were taking some moments to be like wow i mean it was the most so fun i've had like making documentaries as a producer is like fun because you get to go to all these cool pe- places and meet all these cool people but like a lot of times when the filming's actually happening unless i'm like directing it more which happens on sometimes yeah you're trying to hide i'm hiding <laughs> yeah it happens to me too i, I am directing I'm and it's probably the best thing to do sometimes for me I'm is just to like hide. falling back so but to be like so in it it's very exciting yeah yeah and very fun yeah and we're like wow we're we're golden we're such a good team we get along so well we're like playing off of each other like it, it was just like smooth we've done like what three or four shoots now just us two smooth every time i'm learning so much and it's there's a bit of a learning curve but i think we captured i know we've captured really beautiful stuff yeah 
and and what we set out to do and again like i always say if you have an intention or a vision for something just keep holding that thing and it'll it, it will it'll allow you to see it but it not only allows you to see it in the world it attracts those people to you because mm-hmm. from the beginning we said what would be an amazing way to make this film would be to film with somebody and they tell us who the next person to film with is yeah we get passed around like a baton yeah that yeah was... exactly so it's uh, and i it's totally happening everyone we meet that we make aware of this some name pops into their head and it's it's usually the name that pops into their head right away Mm -hmm. is the one that we're interested in not the one you have to think about or whatever it's just like hey who's the most magical person you know that first thing that comes in your head that's who we want to film with yeah and it's been working out no it's been so fun i really appreciate what it's bringing out between us you know yeah i think it's pretty cool well and then I feel like we dipped into the other side of it. We, te- uh, you know, we were, we we're in, we're in the yin yang. For the what? record, you're bringing this up. I'm not. I don't give a shit. Okay. What do you mean? Bring, bring what up? I'm, I'm just saying. <laughs> the yang. <laughs> we, we were so on fire for the past couple of weeks, just like we're literally shooting every day, whether we have business shooting or not. We're like, oh, nice sunset though. Let's go out there. You <laughs> yeah, know, exactly. like, literally just whatever, and we end up meeting people it's insane we keep we keep like that's how we've made all our movies but yeah but I, like literally we're just sitting here in peak skill and we're like god it's nice out let's just go down to the waterfront and film the, the the sunset on the waterfront and we're filming and then there's this like beautiful silhouette of this fisher and this kid going up to this fisherman and while we're filming that this lady comes up to us she's like what are you doing i'm I, uh, hey uh, welcome to peak skill you know i'm like oh we've been here our whole life we're just we're down in the city for 20 years and she's like well i, I i'm a i'm a, a grant writer and i you know i help people like you guys get money i distribute the billions of these rich guys and try to get it into the hands of you guys and we're like what <laughs> i guess this is why we came huh? out so it's just like magical thing after magical thing and we're we're so on fire and uh we've been loving stand-up comedy and trying to get into that world and we saw Jordan Jensen was playing these shows at the Palisades Mall. And we're like, we should go to one of those shows. And then I was thinking, it'd be cool. Like, I, for some reason, I just had a vision of you, like, shooting the shows. And I was like, that'd be cool. And then she posts on her stories, I need someone to shoot these shows this weekend. And it just felt like another magical thing. But I lost the narrative at some point, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we signed up for it, I was, like, a little weary. I was like, this is very exciting on paper. But but actually carrying it out might be like actually like grueling and feel like work and feel like a distraction and feel like a few days of like losing our path a little bit. And uh, I don't think it netted out to that, but it was, I had to go through the jungle of uh, self-doubt. And well, I was explaining to your parents, like the reason you've made so many movies and done so much in this lifetime is because you don't like making anyone else your boss. Yeah. I think you wanted to come through and it just ends up being a lot of media and you want to edit the show so it makes sense and go from the wide shot to the closer up shot. And it's yeah. just like a lot of work and you care and you wanted to, you want to like provide that. We like you wanted above and beyond and you were just kind of. When I do a job, I do it well. I want to, I really do. It's mm-hmm. important to me, you know, especially if we're like going out on a limb and she doesn't know who the fuck we are. We're just like random people that hit her up and we're like, we would do this. And, uh, yeah, I was just like, I, I don't know, I just lost the narrative. Like, every day we're, like, driving 45 minutes to the to this mall that we hate. We hate malls. Like, it's just like, Luckily, she's freaking doing? hilarious. She is so funny. She's next level. And it was fun to see her, like, work stuff out and how stories changed and her bits changed N- a None of, bit. of the five shows, no two were anywhere near alike. So, thank God we're not trying to cut together, like, a special from those five shows. Because yeah. she wore different outfits, first of all. But like the set completely has changed, and uh, yeah, it it that it was fascinating in that way. It was like very clarifying for us. Also, I mean, because we we have talked about it for a while that like, all right, the stand up special has kind of cr- come into a box, and we're just kind of exploring like, is this something we'd want to take out of the box? You know? Yeah. Do we like stand up enough and filming it? Like, how do we want to film it, the special? But then. Are we interested enough in this to potentially, given the opportunity, to take it out of uh, its normal traditional framework and, you know, whether it's man on the street or more in the green room or more, you know, just like a hybridization of like podcast. Not That sounds yeah, it's, lame. It's like but podcast meets documentary meets stand up special. Like the way I would pitch it is like to someone like Jordan is be like, hey, let's put out an hour long special, but it's only a half hour of your material. Mm-hmm. you know 
and we'll keep we'll keep cutting back to the club, but we're going to cut away from the club and we're going to see you in the diner with Ian Fidance after a, you know a run of shows and you guys are just talking and you're walking around this weird mall making jokes and we're on the car ride to the next place. We're in your apartment as you're stressed out getting getting together, but like yeah, and you just find them. and we're still finding punchlines and we're still you know trying to hit certain like laughs per minute throughout, but we're only gonna burn a half hour of your material. LPM, laughs per minute, yeah, <laughs> which is which is important. Jordan's new special has some of the highest laughs per minute of any special. Yeah, she really squeezed yeah. them in. We have a uh, a playlist on our YouTube channel called Stand Up. Yeah, because we've uh, yeah we've just been. Just logging all of our favorite uh, stand-up comedians that have specials on YouTube. Which is a lot. It's a lot. There's like 35 things on there. Really good ones, too. Yeah. And more to come. But I don't know. I I like that. I mean, I got really a lot better at the camera. A lot more confident. I mean. She was blown away. The first day we packed in and packed out, I was a mess. Second day was dialed in. By the third day, I'm like, I got this. So it's like, yeah, we might have bitten off more than we can chew, but. Every day you chew it a little bit more, you're like, oh, I got this. You yeah. Know? And yeah. it's it feels lame to have to do something maybe that you're over simultaneously over and under qualified for. That's what exactly what it felt like. That's the perfect way of describing it. It was like the perfect storm for me just being perpetually frustrated for three days. Yeah. You know? Like, you're like, I'm a director. Like, what am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? She's mainly ex- like expecting me to show up with an iPhone. So yeah. it's like, she doesn't yeah. care what we're doing. Her openers are like, look at their equipment. They were the real deal. And she's like, what have you guys done before? Uh, yeah, I guess I'll check that stuff out. And we're like, okay, she has no idea who we are. This isn't helping that we took this on. You well, know? I knew it wasn't going to help. It no, was no, for no. us. But yeah. Yeah, like you like you say, you it's so easy to lose the narrative. That's all that's all that happened to me. Because uh, like, you feel uh, humiliated. You're like, what I I'm I'm now doing like busybody work when I have a real film that I care about and I'm now distracted from that and Well, and just managing all this media. I was like, What the fuck did we just take on? You know what I mean? It's one thing to go shoot the shows. It's like it's fun to be at the shows. It's afterwards the nightmare kicks in. I'm like, this is Every one of these clips takes an hour to get onto our computer. Our computer's running like shit because of all this media. We have layers of audio. It was just like so much to to deal with and put together. But I cut together four out of the five shows. We'll also learn. And they look beautiful. They could be put out as specials. Yeah, and you need to learn how to like color. We need yeah. to learn how to color correct. Like we have a Black Magic and an A7S. Like can we use those two cameras together mm-hmm. like will they go on a timeline together will it look good can you make it look half decent yeah like we're gonna shoot this thing with daniel like yeah ideally we have two a7s's or two black magics but like we can make it work with what we got oh yeah absolutely absolutely and and i appreciate the challenge but like i guess we needed to take on some weird thing to have a fire lit under our ass to even use both cameras and mm-hmm. and put ourselves to the challenge and be like can we take this on and like the truth of the matter is we rose to the occasion. I Mentally, I did not, though. And you put up with that. And, you know, I don't know why, but you put up with it. I didn't put up with it. I <laughs> have a broken toe now because of it. Uh, yeah. From what? From Fine. being violently uh, angry? Yeah. <laughs> you were being a little fucking... Yeah, I was a bitch. Being a little bitch. And I was like, can you stop being a bitch? And so I... Damn. I know, I know the thought would be like, yeah, if... Did that stop the recording? Yep. Keep it going. Um. Yeah, I know. I'm. I get violent when I feel trapped, and I. I. I it's not that I want to hurt you. I never want to hurt you. No, you never have. I feel trapped, and I just want the reality starts to feel so constricted, like we're in this loop of limiting beliefs that I just want to like break out of, and I don't know how to do it and obviously then i physically hurt myself as a way to like break the energy but it's not a good way to do that yeah because my toe really hurts <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> it's throbbing it's it's one of those things when you're doing that i'm like like hey do what you got to do you know whatever but like no it just reverse the gender role here and i would be in a goddamn mental hospital you know what i mean yeah like it, it would be like whoa sean it's only a matter of time before he turns that on me type of shit but i, I don't know luckily i'm not that way I'm, lo- I'm a bitch but i don't even raise my voice in doing so i know but that's why it's so frustrating because i can't break through to you you just keep i'm like i can't 
like I have like I can't physically hurt you I can't so I physically just like no it's like I feel like we're trapped in this like negative loop that I can't get out of so I'm just like like I go into Hulk mode yeah I know I know well it literally is just like comes down to I bit off more than I could chew and this weekend got the best of me mentally and it literally and I can feel it when it's happening like I'm unemployable yeah I can feel it like know. you know what I mean and, but but that's a good thing for me I know and it's a good thing for me to know because being unemployable uh doesn't mean that I don't need to make money in my life and figure out ways to support us it just needs to, it means I, I need to be a lot more crafty about what we do yeah because it's on us because anytime I, you work for someone else you are so upset and I don't I, blame I, you, I, I, yeah I can't handle it because oh, I'm sitting there and I'm editing these things and I'm like I have a church of chill I need to edit and put out like I'm really more interested in the fucking 10 people that are that like that these music mixes I put out and serving them like that means a lot to me getting a podcast out consistently means a lot to me chipping away at this movie and getting it squirreling away all of the material we need for the winter so I can edit it. That means a lot to me. And this just didn't fit in. And I was just like, what am I doing? And then realizing like the amount of hours I'm spending on this a day is the amount of hours my mom spends working every day. Most people that have regular jobs, that's the amount of time that they have to vote to devote to it to the point where you don't have time to do anything. That's why I was in a bad mood. And I kept saying it. I was like, well, I had to transfer footage and edit it and then export this and then get that ready and then pack the car, go down there, get ready and, and start all over again for three days. I didn't exercise, have sex, meditate, sweat. Like I didn't, I didn't do any of the stuff that I need to do. And I, you know, end up relying more on fucking caffeine and nicotine and Kratom to like get me through. And, uh, there's just, there's no there's no chemical shortcuts for having the discipline to get through something like that. You know, I, I You did great the first day. <laughs> yeah. And then I was like, "Oh, it's turning me on how great you're doing." And you that made you even more mad cuz you're like, "You just want me to be a good boy." Well, I, it, it it upset me. You're like you're like expressing like things I need to be validated for my directing. You're expressing towards me for like being a PA and sound guy and I'm like there's nothing wrong with having those things, but it's like I'm not a PA and a sound guy. I know. I'm a director. You never tell me my directing turns you on. You're telling me that, that running around and coiling up wires for you is fucking getting you just, going? Like, what the fuck? I just You no, like me in a reduced role? I don't. It's not <laughs> how I see that. I just, like, I appreciated you just, like, being humble and of service. You know what I mean? It like, felt good. It, it did. It felt good the, the first day and shooting the first day. It's when I realized it, it's when it really hit me, the tidal wave of, of media. I think it just has to do with us shooting five shows. I think we could not have... Five shows in 4K. And color correct it. And needing to color correct it. Like, we literally could have shot it on one camera and just sent her that footage. And, like, it would have been fine. Yeah, and she would have been like, okay. You did great. Like, yeah, we went up... I guess. But this is like, I don't know. Now, when she gets this, she'll be like, wow, they were particularly good at this. She saw what we did, and she was like, are you guys available to, like, go on the road? Or, like, what are you trying to do? And you were... I thank God you had your wits about you. You're like... You got to pay us. Like, we don't, we're, you know. I was like, for a budget. Yeah, of course, we'll do anything. Yeah, yeah. I'd love to be hired by comedians versus, like, a bank or something. Yeah, yeah. Imagine we could make a living doing stuff like that. Yeah. It would be really cool. But the monotony of it got to me a little bit and uh, the media management. Because that's the other thing we would, for our movies, like, we shot the amount we'd shoot in a week for one of our movies in one night. You know, it was just like a, like the sheer amount of footage was really, uh, it was weighing on me. It felt like a weight on me. And, and it, like I literally needed to digest it, process it, edit it. And then like when I would export them, I would feel a little bit of like the. Whew, whew. Yeah, you're just, you're sensitive. And yes. I think it's not easy for anyone to give their time away in, a, in, in that way. But I think for some people it's like literally impossible and like makes them insane, like crazy. And I think you're one of those people. Well, it, and and the life that I've become so accustomed to and the only one that fits me like a glove would drive most other people insane. Yeah, because there's so much insecurity and instability and unknowing. Yeah, like, I, I don't know what to do, you know, and, and, and like, that's, uh, it's it's my blessing and my curse. It's like, I know what to do with my free time. I just need my free time. Mm-hmm. And that requires 
figuring out how to most efficiently make money so we can go and do our thing. Yeah. Yeah. I am sorry I kicked the fan and threw our clothes all over the place. And I don't care. <laughs> I know there's really no excuse for it, though. Like, there's really no excuse. I really do need to be better at, like, stepping away. And I don't know. I just, like, I want nothing more than for you to be happy in this life. Yeah, I know. And it just makes, like, it's so, it's such a weird thing to get mad at. Yeah. I'm mad that you're not happy. Yeah. To yeah. the point where I'm just, like. It's it's just, in those moments, just, you just realize you're too zoomed in. That's all. Like, a lot of our. And uh, you're not? I am. But you don't have to join me in that. Well, it and, seems and just, like you just won't let I, me free until no, I but, join but just, you. But, <laughs> until but just I'm, like, crying I, and shit. Yeah, whatever. I mean, I would, I don't know. I just, I, I, I know the days that I'm more just like sensitive to you and like have a, yeah, exactly. Like it's more zoomed out. Like it's going to be okay. We're going to get through this shoot. Like I was just like, fucking, I can't believe we're doing this. And it just feels like such a thankless like task. Yeah. Maybe it's, but like. It's fun. It was fun. And she's cool and stuff like that. I think just anything that takes you, I think that's, I was trying to explain to your parents, like the reason Sean may, has made so many movies is because. Anything that distracts from that, he abhors. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it almost is like in order to maintain a path, you need to have laser focus on your goals. Yeah, well, for this path, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like, I guess if I was cool with just coming out with a movie like every five or ten years, the way some directors do, I don't know how they do that. But if I was cool with that, I think the, there could be a little bit more um, grace there. But yeah, it does. It it feels like uh, it feels like we're up against something right now. Like not like like you know what I mean. It's good. I'm I'm thriving in this little box we're putting around ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Like um, we're getting this film done this year. We're doing this. We're capturing wild magic, and we're gonna edit it this winter. That's helping me. I I love rising to the occasion, and I feel like I do it. But uh, yeah, my mom was telling you stand by your man. <laughs> No, it wasn't. <laughs> I don't know how that came up, but <laughs> no, we were. It doesn't matter how it came up. I think because it has to do with someone else's personal life. Someone else's personal life that's not our business. But basically, she was just talking about her relationship with your father and how, like, when you're an anchor point for someone, like in reality, like we are for each other. It's actually probably the most serious thing in this life. Yeah, it's like it, it's pretty sacred. Yeah. Not like in a like romantic lovey way, like no, in a burden of responsibility kind yeah, of yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it can it can also be in the romantic loving kind of way. That's no, of that's the the happy byproduct of it. It's that. the yin yang yeah. aspect of it. It's like, oh, this person makes you feel safe and secure and alive and like life's worth living. But that also means their relationship to life is based on this relation, the relationship, mm -hmm. you know? And I think for a lot of people, that's what mothers are. Yeah. You know, so people who have a, a hard relationship with their mother, it can be very traumatizing to not have that biological anchor point mm. or the, the traditional anchor point of like your mother's love and protection. Yeah. And your father is also that, but very much your mother. Like I, I've always said, and, like, I, I couldn't stand if I, my mom wasn't in my life, like, yeah. or, like, alive, you know? Like, I, I'm, i like, having to come to terms with, like, the fact that she's quite a bit older than me and, like, is, you know, the way... She's twice your age. Tw the way it's going to go is probably I'll have to live some of this life without her here. Mm -hmm. But um, then you became an anchor point for me, and I think I became an anchor point for you. And I think we were talking about families or people who um don't honor that yeah and they let like if your person is wiling out and you're their anchor point and you don't if you just let them while out you know what i mean and i don't mean like oh they're like you having a bad mood or mm -hmm. whatever it is or me fucking kicking a fan no i'm talking about drug addiction alcoholism suicidal tendencies suicidal tendencies any of that like that we're our you're your brother's keeper in this yeah. life it's crazy i thought that term came into my head this morning 
Brother's Keeper. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think a, a lot of people as a self-protection mechanism is like, well, they're just going to drink themselves to death or they're, you know, but it's like, if you're their person and they're doing that, there's like beyond marriage, there's like a sacred vow you took mm. in life. Yeah. Yeah. To not just like, I think we just like wash our hands of things like. Well, if, I mean, if they're going to do that, you know, it's like, I'm going to, I'll take care of me. They'll take care of them. And well, our culture breeds and rewards individuality, um, more than anything. Mm hmm. Yeah. So it, it's really hard to transcend that. Yeah. When, when it seems like someone's dragging you down and your mom has been through the worst, sorry, your mom has been through the worst with your dad, obviously between, I, I can't I, imagine any worse. I, yeah. It's hard to imagine worse. <laughs> Like insane drug addiction, wiling out, incorrigibility, incorrigibility, yeah. um, suicide. Oh yeah, a lot of suicidal ideation and threats and that sort of thing. A lot of um, crack and addiction and wildness. And yeah, she was talking like from her heart about how she. He's he's but I'm his person. Yeah, like she can't just like. Because you always were like, you tell me, you're like, mom, leave him. Like, what are you doing? Especially when I was young. Yeah. 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 I would, just for the sake of, of uh, everybody's safety and sanity. Uh, I, I was like, we should, um, y you should leave dad. And But then, but then I think she realized then it becomes my problem full time. You know? Yeah. Uh, basically, it was just never even on the table. Well, I think. I, was I like, mean, we'll get through this. This is a while ago, but you had a... Can we talk about this? We can talk about whatever. I don't give you a had damn. an aunt who passed away of alcoholism pretty yeah, much. Yeah, she drank herself to death. Drank herself to death. and My dad's little sister. And there's a lot of anger with her husband. Yeah. Because it's like, if you're not going to take care of her, mm -hmm. if you're not going to be her anchor point, and if you're going to allow her to, to kill herself, you need to bring in more family to help. Yeah. Or at least make them aware. Or make them aware. Because like when... Make them aware of where you're at. Like, hey, hey I'm I can't starting do this. to tap out like I'm ta Exactly. I'm tapping out. Like, they're killing themselves of alcoholism. Yeah. I can't care anymore because I have to protect myself. Mm -hmm. Like, you need to shit. That's, that's, I think that's what uh, the dissolution of community has led to this. Yeah. You know, where they didn't reach out to your family. Like, it almost came as a shock to your parents. Like We found out when she was on life support. Yeah. Um, so that arose a lot of anger in the sense of like, Hey, we thought you guys had each other's backs. How did this happen? Yeah. And if you don't, you need like, you need to at least, and that's what your mom was saying to me. And kind of like, I think she was saying it to me with so wholeheartedly as like looking at me, like you better be like this, which she knows. Take care of my boy. But she knows that I am. Yeah. yeah. I know she was saying it wholeheartedly, but I w it was easy for me to be like, yeah, of course, Kathy. She's like, even if you're not going to be with him, like you need to make sure he's okay. I'm like. Yeah, you think I wouldn't set up with his next girlfriend before I left? Like, what are we talking about? <laughs> you would, sadly. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm getting out of here, I'd be like, make sure you're taking care of him. That's how I know you're packing your bags. <laughs> you're like, so-and-so is cute. You really get along, don't you? <laughs> Holy shit. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a sad state of affairs that seems to play out. And I can't even blame necessarily partners who, you know, have been through it with their partner and just start tapping out. Like you can't even, it's like, it's a lot for one person yeah. to be responsible for. Yeah. It's a lot to be someone's anchor point, but it is a heavy responsibility. That doesn't mean you have to like go down with that person, but we need to like reach out to each other and help like reach yeah. out to family and yeah. get support when, when stuff like this is happening. Yeah. And like, I, like, you know, what I try to do is like, if someone pops into my head and I'm like, I wonder how they're doing. Are they okay? Like I'll send them a text like, Hey, Hey bro, thinking about you. I'm here for you. When they don't respond, then, then it's like, I don't, I really don't know what to do. You know, it's like, uh, now's not the time, but I, I put it out there that I'm here for them, you know, but I've, I've had that happen a number of times where I'll just feel like I'm getting just a message from the aliens. Like hey, so-and-so could really use a friend right now. And I'll yeah. reach out and maybe not get a response at all. And, um, you know, it weighs on you. It, I mean, that, that, that's the thing. It's like, it'd be interesting to have my mom. I mean, I did talk to my mom about this stuff. I had her on the podcast. I think it's episode three. 
And the first thing I said is like, how did you, why did you stay with dad through all that? And that's when she started admitting to me that she took LSD when she was a teenager. And like, there's a, there was a spiritual connection with my dad and like just all, all of this other context that I didn't really realize. And now being an adult and being in a long-term partnership and we don't even have kids. I would I would totally be the same way as her. It'd be hard to think what you could do that would make me be like, I'm putting my foot down, I'm out of here. Enough's enough, you've crossed the line. Like, we gotta hold space for each other. Yeah, it's, it's, it's such a funny balance and I'm lucky to have met such a kind, generous man that Who's I can, that? <laughs> <laughs> that I can see you through stuff that bothers me about you and never even consider leaving you because I know you're a kind, generous, loving person, and I think, unfortunately, yeah. not everyone is so lucky to meet those kind of people and be in a relationship to go through the ups and downs knowing that, yeah. like, the core of their being is they're a good person and that they love you and they are a loving person. Um, but it, it uh, because I've been that lucky to find someone like that, it does make me feel like, dude, like, no one's beyond reproach, I guess, or, like, not, what is that? That's not even what I'm trying to say. No one, like... Even people deserve like our f- forgiveness and compassion and doesn't mean you have to be with them, but we should, I don't know, just not assume the worst in each other or something like that. Or I don't know. And then you read all these horrible stories and you're like, yeah, you should get the fuck away from that person. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I don't fucking know. Absolutely. I mean, that's the whole thing. We don't fucking know. Yeah. Like sometimes like you'll see a couple's breaking up and you're like, are you putting in any effort? Are you guys trying at all? Did you, did you do these things like that we do? And it's just like, none of that shit applies to their world. You know? Yeah. No, they're, they're swimming in a completely different ocean than us. Said, with yeah. And I shouldn't tell rules. someone to stay in a sinking ship. That's like no, killing them, you no. know? And even if it's a mistake, people have to make their mistakes. It's fine. And I'm the first person to always say you should break up with them. You yeah, know what I mean? Like, I don't yeah. necessarily think you should be with someone who it's not working out with. So yeah. I, I don't know why I'm exploring this space, but I think there is. It's it's because my mom saw me in a bad mood this weekend and was like, uh-oh. I hope Cass doesn't get any bright ideas about leaving this guy. <laughs> and it's like, know. you just see me in a bad mood because dad's overwhelming and I'm overwhelmed this weekend. Like, I'm actually fine. I'm downstairs. I'm laughing. I'm having a good time. You're just only seeing me in these in-between moments, you know. Yeah, I think it also just has to do with, like, some hurt your mom has about just being like, yo, if if your partner's struggling, it's it's your responsibility to be there for them in, like, a true way. Mm. And I think we're all struggling for mental health and addiction and different issues. More than ever, and More it's, than it's ever. safe to assume someone is. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how I'm more navigating making this movie, talking to people, making new friends, going deeper in our friendship is assuming everybody is on the brink, you mm-hmm. know, and treating them, um, with the the compassion and grace that, that they deserve or someone on the brink deserves. Yeah. And I think it's good that you reach out to people when they come into your mind like that, because <laughs> I do think <laughs> people do it for me too. Yeah, I know. They it's do. really cool. I don't, I don't want to, um, get you too cocky with your superpowers, but lately I've been having you guess, um, <laughs> I'll be like, yo, oh my God, the Diamondbacks, uh, score tonight or like, or, I won't say it like that. I'll be like, oh, whoa, there's some wild games going on. And I'll be like, whoa. And you're like, oh, what, what they score? And I'm like, you'll just be like, I'll be like, guess. And you'll be like 11 to three or 11 to two. And I'm like, oh my God, how did you nail? How many times has this happened? It's happened a few times, at least like maybe six times where well, I'm six for six. Yeah, well, within, like, one score. Yeah. On, like Knowing I, I know who won the game, I know within a point how much each team scored, yeah. and I know the point differential. Yeah. It's very weird. Even even I was surprised. Mm-hmm. This started at the Willie Nelson concert because we were following, like, the last couple games of baseball or whatever, and, and the first couple games of the NFL season. Yeah. You're like, oh, let's see what happened in the Giants game. Uh, and you're like, whoa, try to guess the score. And I'm like, 20 or uh, 30 to 10. You're like, yeah, what the fuck? Try to guess the guess the, the jet score. The key with this, though, uh, is I can't think about it. Yeah. It, it It's like the second you, it, I can't process it even. The second you say it, 
I visual I, I uh, just a, a score in big font, big thick bold font comes up white on black text, and that's it. I just say that. Should I look up a score from last night? Oh, allow you're killing me. No, I'll allow people to guess it. Not even you. You already know the score. This from makes last no night. sense. What you're trying to do? Okay, I won't. Do how, that. how would what? Because <laughs> I'd be like, guess the score, and then whoever's watching, we give them a second. I'd be like, what did you see? And then I'll say it, and then they could see if they said. So. Okay, we could do that. We could do that. Okay. We're gonna. You're you're just gonna pull up a a, a game, and you're gonna say the two teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, should I do baseball or uh, football? Football. There was there's more games. Okay, NFL scores. Okay, last night, the Jets versus the Broncos. What was the score? If you don't know, think about it. What's the first thing that pops in your head? You got it. If you have to pause it, you can pause it. But it should happen pretty fast. Okay, now I'm gonna reveal the score. Okay. Okay. You already know, so this yeah. doesn't work for you. But Jets won thirty-one to the Broncos, got twenty-one. Mm. So, well, it's just an interesting thing that we happen to, like, almost accidentally um, discover. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want to get, I don't want to get too cocky about Definitely it. Definitely don't I, get too but cocky. Not, I, but like, almost the opposite is like, um, I don't want to not get cocky. You yeah, know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, I, yeah. Like, I want it, like. You don't want to be superstitious, but you also don't want to devalue that you might be able to like that. It that it has it has nothing to do with sports scores and it has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I that think there everyone is a, knows everything. There is an ability to tap in if you let down your judgments. It's crazy. And if you let down, yeah, the judgment and the um, filters or whatever. Yeah. You have a lot more access to things. So it's honoring that access and yes. believing that that access is there. Yes. And trusting that the access is there. Like we say, the access to your past self and your future self. Everything's happening at the same yeah. time. So yeah. it's like, yeah, there's like, it's a party trick to be like, oh, I know the access to the well, sports. It's just, it's just transcending your like five crude senses and tapping into your main one, you know, yeah. which is like, you're just... You're part of a, a mycelium of humanity. You know what's going on. You mm -hmm. know what's happening. But our crude senses, kind, this is a very valuable gift that they bring us. They keep us in our own world. Mm -hmm. You know, like I can smell this. I can see that. I can hear that. I can feel that's that. That's probably where you should stay most of the time. Absolutely. <laughs> the other shit would drive you insane. It would be, yeah. it, it's, it's too crazy. It can be useful. <laughs> it can be useful when you need to make decisions or... Uh, get sports scores to impress your girlfriend yeah it, well, it does impress me. but uh, you know there, there's probably tons of other ways to apply that kind of shit but i think i just uh I, I probably tap into those abilities to do what we do you know what i mean and same same with you just knowing when we should go somewhere or be somewhere or or just knowing when something's resonating yeah I like and what when it's not i like what you're saying is like i don't want to get too cocky but i don't want to get I don't want to diminish the value. Like, you know, it's like trusting yourself. No, I don't want to, I don't want to diminish it. It's like, it's actually, it, it surprises me. It's not like, Oh, like here's a, here's a little gift that I have. No, it's like everyone has this, it's inherent to our operating system. We're just so distracted by the other stuff and mm -hmm. the storm of thoughts going on at all times. Yeah. But, well, it's kind of like when we we did those podcasts where we talked about remote viewing, and a lot of people were able to like guess the design. That was drew, crazy. Drew, yeah. To like we drew like a triangle with like three spiral spirals around it yeah. or something, and people were like telling us what they guessed, and people were nailing it. They were nailing it. And so it's just. But what happens is it's it's almost like it has diminishing returns because you start thinking about it too much. Mm -hmm. That's almost like when you were just going to put me on the spot and do it. I'm like, no, I'm already thinking about it. I'm I'm ready to. You know what I mean? Like my thinking mind is too ready to predict the score. These this has only worked when you hit me out of nowhere, and I'm not expecting you to, or mm -hmm. you know, this like literally, it's happened six times. Well, that's why. And every time it's just like, whoa! Guess what happened in the Orioles game? Yeah, well, that's why it's like kind of private for us. Like I don't want to make this podcast about me testing you and then yeah, you either yeah. failing <laughs> or winning or whatever it is. But it's like it's not about proving to people it's possible or whatever. It's just like try it with yourself. Try it with your friends. Like it's a fun yeah, thing to yeah, like yeah. exercise that space, like exercising the space of remote viewing. You yes. Know? And or lucid dreaming. It's it you know, it it's kind of all it, it's all in that really dicey territory where it's like you can get better at it. 
I think. Mm-hmm. But it's like it's interesting to try to figure out how and what the exercise is to get better at lucid dreaming, lucid living, predicting sports scores, you know, tapping into your flow. Like, what are the things that get you to that place? Mm-hmm. It's a. Uh, yeah, it's it, it. I don't know. It's it, it kind of boggles my mind. Or maybe this is kind of, I'm I'm gonna go too crazy. What? Come, come on, whatever. Let's get it all out. We could always reel it back in. Well, I'm just saying, if you know, time is an illusion. When you guessed the sports store, you also made the score. Yeah. In your reality tunnel, you know what I mean? Yeah. And like your confidence that you knew the score kind of retro actively changes the score i mean i think that's an amount of power that people i personally can't even wrap my head around or contend with because it's like it makes it be like i am the sole vision of the universe and like but in a way you are you are me are you Mm -hmm. are you know what i mean it's um this is this is all fake like it's not even real like where are what the fuck is going on you know yeah but it's also my religion you know, you yeah. hear like, like, what is the one thing I pray to? We get in the car and I'm like, I'm, hey, I hope the, I'm just saying a shout out to the angels that they just keep us safe on this drive and that they hold a parking spot for us. And if they want to throw a little inspiration our way, we're here for it. Mm-hmm. And so like, you know, when, when you tap into those abilities, even if it's accidentally, even if it's briefly, what's an interesting uh, thing to do is be like, well, if I could tap into that all the time, what would my life look like? Mm-hmm. What would it feel like? What would it be like? And I think luckily for us, it's kind of like pretty much what we're doing. You know, of course, life has its little ups and downs, but like, I I, th- I don't know how, but we've somehow honored something to the point where I feel like we're working with the angels and we're working with magic and we're working with the aliens yeah. and it's working out. And not that there's not not a lot of tests and your perfect faith gets tested left and right. But and and people disappoint you and things let you down and expectations don't get met or whatever. But pretty much, uh, yeah, whatever that whatever that ability is, if you apply it to your life and and like say, okay, well, well, then where's the gap between what your life would look like with those abilities and what it looks like currently? Yeah. To me, there's not that big of a gap. Yeah. I wanted, but I just want to figure out how to get better at working with it. It reminds me of what, like, if I had just not, ju- like, judged you, like, even, because I always feel like I'm judging you in response to you judging me, mm-hmm. but I'm just like, I have to transmute energy, not just reflect it, like, I'm, you're, tr- you're, you become trapped in your reactions, like, it's a, you're, in a, I'm in a prison of reactions, I'm reacting to you, reacting to me, to reacting to it, and it's like, I really just need to release judgments and, like, take on the ownership to transmute myself with the energy. But then I don't like you get resentful because you're like, if I'm doing all the transmuting, why aren't you doing the transmuting? You should do the transmuting for once. Can you fucking your transmute your energy? Why do I have to transmute my energy so you can fucking calm down? You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. It becomes this like judgment rather than just being like, well, I want to transmute my energy so I'm not hurting myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like it doesn't matter the chicken or the egg or where it all started. It's just, I'm, I know I'm, it's just making me come back around to like that what gets me so angry is like my judging mind and I feel like my judging mind becomes justified because I'm judging you judging me but like then you think that you're judging I'm judging you oh yeah and this you know we we like agree pretty much a hundred percent of the time but we still like how we get to that how we get there (laughs) yeah how we get there i'm like i agree with you what are we fucking we're both like what are we're both screaming at each other what are we fighting about yeah yeah maybe that that energy just needs to be expended sometimes and that's yeah we should have gone for a run a run or a sauna usually will um squelch any urge to blow up at each other unnecessarily yeah and it is frustrating of course well and i think that's like the thing with us identifying as one person like i know we joke (laughs) about this but people have this like also within their own fights within themselves like the way you're mean to yourself yeah you judge yourself or you know and for us it's like become it's an internal dance but it's also an external dance I, i mean i think it's why people can be most rough with their parents and siblings because they're just like the most just hardcore like reflection crystal clear reflection of you you know mm-hmm. when when i lose it towards my parents not even on them they might like it might be just me venting it's because i'm f- fucking so frazzled by the idea that i am that and i can see it and i can feel it and 
you know, like luckily I'm, I'm the perfect concoction of them that has allowed me to do some things with my life. Cause if I was too much like my dad, I'd be paralyzed. And if I was too much like my mom, I'd be a workaholic. I'm somewhere in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you know, my qualities that are very much like my dad that terrify me are kind of, um, balanced by self-awareness, which I don't think my dad has a lot of. Mm-hmm. Or maybe he has too much. It, I there, don't know. There, yeah, there, there's something going on there that doesn't allow for like real growth to take place. We all have bouts of self-awareness and then a lack thereof. Like it was hilarious. Oh, totally. I don't mean to call you out, but totally. you're like, my dad's ch- treating me like a chump, and I'm like, you literally just treated him like a chump. You know what I mean? Yeah, I'm. Be- I know. You're but like, to me, there was context. Yeah, but yeah. I was like, hey, dad, chill. Can come back to it. Can we're in the middle. Can, can you chill for a second? He, oh, he won't stop. And then I treat him like a chump. And I'm like, he was treating me like a chump. <laughs> and it's like, you just did that to him. <laughs> oh, my God. I need to get this motherfucker a hearing aid. I think most of our arguments could be avoided. But it's also kind of nice that he doesn't hear our arguments. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. That, yeah, that's true. That is true. He literally couldn't eavesdrop if he wanted to. He's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, you guys were screaming at each other downstairs? I was like, yeah, and we were screaming to leave us alone. And you wouldn't leave us alone. And then I treated him like a chump. And he's like, what the hell is, where is this coming from? I was like, I was warning you with peace and love to not come down here right now. <laughs> so silly. Yeah, yeah. But uh, look, I think we're trying to, what we're trying to do is by having these conversations is like by just keeping the priorities straight. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I always come back to, I'm just doing my best. I'm going to keep trying to do my best. And me doing my best is having patience and being less reactive and being more compassionate. And if I don't have the context for why someone's behaving a certain way, who cares? Still treat them with kid gloves. Still treat them nicely. Still treat them the way you'd want to be treated. It's hard. It takes well, this. Because everyone else is trying their best, too. Yeah. Like, it's just. Yeah. Everyone's trying their best. Yeah. I, w- I was getting, uh, like, this weekend, I was so frustrated at this comedian. Because I was like. She's not going to come say hi or thank you or like, here's what I want or anything like that. Like it was really getting to me. It was like, it was like, it was the disrespect. But then like, I realized I'm like, the reason I love her is because she's a lot like me. She's kind of antisocial and a little neurotic and like self-conscious. And she's able to use all that wild energy to channel it into comedy that really resonates and cuts through. And yeah, of course she's not the type of person that's going to be like, up in our shit and looking over our shoulder and saying this and that. And then like, I'm I'm sitting there complaining about like how she's not bothering. And then she came out and like was so sweet and appreciative and humble and like, um, just validating what we were doing. And it, it was, was my like, bad. Cause I like just kind of, yeah, I could have gone up to her in the first day. Cause you don't care about that stuff. That's the whole thing. Yeah, like you don't give a fuck. You're like, I signed up for this. She's going to pay us whatever let's just do the job and get in and out of there and i'm like why the hell am i doing this we're making minimum wage to do this thing like what what are we doing like i did this not not for the glory but at least to make a new connection to like say hi say i appreciate your podcast i appreciate your art you know and i didn't even get a chance to do that and it just was like adding to this level of frustration of already being in a weirdly diminished role but uh, i pulled myself out of it she helped a lot by (laughs) coming out and being like beyond gracious and sweet and but then it's also like i i need to do her her and myself a favor by saying all those things i just said like yeah she's crazy too she's self-conscious too you know she's probably nervous too to meet new people and all that shit i don't know yeah exactly yeah you can't yeah people are perfect in a lot of ways yeah we're all doing our best yeah we're all doing and and when when it seems like someone's not the the best thing you could do is like figure out how to help them see a path towards that or maybe they're not the best person for you and you need to have a boundary and that you're not like this is not yeah working out it's not working out no <laughs> uh, yeah i mean it's we're working out <laughs> don't worry yeah your mom was not telling me that stuff because she thought I was going to leave you. Or no, uh, but that's that's just the, that's the way my parents work. They catastrophize everything. They, you know, 
they see the world through very tragic lens for obvious reasons and uh their way of uh, they love you so much their only way of of expressing it anymore is by is by being like please don't leave our boy we need you in our family we know he's a handful you know <laughs> that it honestly is their way of expressing yeah, love no. towards you and and appreciation and um yeah you you kill it in that household it's i'm i'm very much appreciative for the type of woman you've become ditto the type of woman you've become too is awesome i'm i'm proud of the type of woman i've become uh, you know uh it's taken a while but i'm getting there (laughs) every day you're more beautiful i'm i'm softening i'm beautifying you really are softening it's been nice I appreciate you saying that, especially after a, a wild few days of me just being completely despondent. And, no, know. I was like, fuck. It's, there come fewer and farther between, but... My outbursts. There's a little, little grit still in there. Yeah, yeah. It's always the same concoction that, that brings it out. It's yeah, just, it's like, I should know better, so then I beat myself up like, fuck, I should have known better. Oh, yeah, but there's a lot of times nothing you can do because it's... What, what, what it, my psyche does is like... I, I I just want to come through for people. That that that's usually what's what's what crush. Uh, if there's ever a weight I get crushed under, it's wanting to come through for people and feeling like I'm not doing a good job at it is where I start to really fucking lose my shit. Mm-hmm. And most of the time, I'm the reason I feel that way, and they're not even putting that on me. I just want to come through for them. I just want to be the best partner, friend, filmer, director, podcaster, whatever. I want to come through. And when I feel like I'm not in some way or I'm distracted. Ooh, doggy. So do you want to move it over to the Patreon? I would love to. Okay. More to come. Patreon.com slash Church of Chill. We do this we, for as many episodes as we put out on YouTube. We put out probably more on the Patreon. Yeah, there's a great episode with uh, Je- our friend Jesse. And- oh, yeah. We did a great episode with our friend Jesse and in Queens. Uh, very magical being. And um, the camera cut out during it. So we didn't put it on because we were trying YouTube. to do two cameras and then we use this one. That's our old reliable on him. And then the other one, I don't know. Old reliable came through, but basically we just have a locked off shot on him the whole time. And I thought for his podcast debut for the world, like that would be, that'd be a tough position. We'll have to him put on it. again. It's, it's like an interrogation, I, but yeah. the podcast is beautiful. You should listen to it and watch it. It's on patreon.com. There's an audio only too. There's an audio only too. Patreon.com slash church chill deeply appreciate your support it really means the world to us any new people joining the conversation in our discord throwing new songs out there movie recommendations stand-up recommendations the next uh treasure trail you're about to edit i'm really excited about that one oh too. one of my favorite episodes tiny one. ugly world stay tuned for that one yeah um yeah we're gonna go over to the patreon we'll talk some more cool awesome thanks for joining us peace love and magic y'all <laughs>